Hi, everybody. The Fireside Chat. Dennis Prager here, and Snoopy is in position. I hate to say it, but he might be on some relaxant. <laughs> He's not? Wow. I'm impressed. One day, Mr. Tubbs, hopefully, will take uh, his seat, but it's happy. Good to have Snoopy. Well, my friends, this is an opportunity to uh, do what I do every week with you. I'm very committed to the fireside chat. And I, and I have a sense that many of you are because so many people make reference to Otto, the late Otto, and to the fireside chat wherever I go. Very tough subject that I'm going to open up with before I take your questions. Very tough. But it's so important that there are many, many important subjects. And so I won't say this is the most important, but I don't know of one that's more important. And people don't like to deal with it. Certainly religious people don't like to deal with it. And that is, I guess it's a two-part question. It's the same. They're related. They're not identical. How do you explain bad religious people? Isn't religion supposed to make people good? And if it doesn't make people good... I don't mean perfect, I mean good, then what, what's its primary use? Some people will have different answers, by the way. To me, the primary question is, does it make good people? That's why, to be honest, and I know not all of you will agree, that's just, it's fine, it doesn't matter. We have to understand that on many issues, disagreement is fine. On some issues, it's not. If you think that it is okay to put kids on hormone blockers, that's not a disagreement I respect. You're not only wrong, you're, you are promoting evil, a term I rarely use. Just accept it, you know, really terrible things. So sometimes disagreement is, is necessary and unbridgeable, and sometimes it's necessary, but does it, does, it's okay. So I'll just give one example, then I'll, then I'll go back to the subject. So people very frequently will speak about searching for the true religion. And I have a different view on that subject. And I brought more people to religion, I think, than, than any other living American. So I have a very good track record bringing people to religion. Part of the reason is I'm not advocative of any one faith. If it's Bible-based, and it will make you a better person, I'm happy. That, that's, that's all I ask. But people will say the true, you have to find the true religion. Okay, fair enough. To my definition is if, if the religion makes you a, a, a considerably more decent human being, then that to me suffices. I don't use the word true because it's a matter of faith. It's true that I, that I have five fingers on each hand. That's not a matter of faith. But religion is not empirically verifiable. I believe God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, but I believe it. I don't know it. I know I have ten fingers. I don't know that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. I believe it deeply but I acknowledge that I don't know it. And that's why 
it's not the same. When you say you're looking for truth in religion, it's not the same as truth empirically. This is true, five fingers. Religion, by definition, involves faith. So I judged everything by its fruits. That's why I've always said, if the left made good people, I'd be a leftist, to be honest. But it doesn't. It makes bad people. Liberalism is not here or there. Conservatism is mixed. But leftism makes bad people. It, the, the doctrines are embittering. The, they make ungrateful people. And ingrates are all mean. There is no nice ingrate on the face of the earth. So I, I do. That's my judgment. I admit it because my re deepest relig religious belief is called ethical monotheism. God's primary demand is that we treat each other good or well, depending on which, which word you wish to use, the adjective or the adverb. By the way, if you're a parent, you, you can relate to that. Aren't you, aren't you most moved by the way your children treat your other children? and other people? Isn't it painful when your children have terrible rifts? That's how God feels. So given that one of the fruits, if not the primary fruit, you would think of the tree of religion is goodness, not perfection. There's no such thing as a perfect person. God is perfect. There's no such thing. I don't aim for perfect people. Just people who are decent, because I divide the world not by religion, not by race, not by sex, but by decent and indecent. That was the famous line of Viktor Frankl, asked if he hated the German race, because he went through the Holocaust. And his book, Man's Search for Meaning, is one of the 10 books that most influenced me. And his answer was, no, there are only two races, the decent and the indecent. That's how I look at the world. Okay, so how do you explain bad religious people? So listen to this. This is something I'm sure you're not familiar with, except maybe a tiny fraction of you, but is fascinating. So I learned this as a, uh, a young boy at yeshiva. Yeshiva is all-day religious school, which I attended till I was 19, half the day religious subjects in Hebrew, half the day secular subjects in English. Very intense education. That's why I could do my, one of the reasons I could do my Bible commentary is because of my knowledge of biblical Hebrew. There is a 12th century rabbi, one of the major commentators on the Hebrew Bible. It's called Nachmanides in English, and the Ramban, or Ramban, in Hebrew. Of course, he was orthodox. He was totally traditional, total believer. So he, he, he had a brilliant insight, which shook me up when I was a kid and I learned this. There's a verse in the Bible, Leviticus 19.2, to be precise, where God says to the Israelites, you shall be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So he asks a very interesting question. And this is how I was taught to always read and study. Ask a question and then try to find an answer. He asked this question. 
Why is there a law to be holy? There are 613 laws in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. If you observe most of them, or even try to observe all of them, won't you be a holy person? Why would there be a commandment to be holy? And he said, I'll tell you why, he said. Because you could be disgusting, that's the Hebrew word he uses, minuval, you can be disgusting with the permission of the Torah. That is a mind-blowing statement. Whatever your religion, you can be disgusting and believe X or Y or Z, or do Y or Z, and be in D and G. And G. That's just a fact. If we could say every religious Jew, every religious Christian is a decent human being, wouldn't that be a massive advocacy for that religion? Wouldn't it be one of the great sales points on earth? So, how does it work? I'll tell you how it works. Religion is not magic. You don't become religious or born into a religious home and always be religious and automatic, automatically be a good person. And if you argue to me nobody could be a good person, I, I'm sorry, we differ. You can't be a perfect person, but you can be a good person. The proof? Because we believe there are bad people. Well, if there are bad people, there are good people. And if you deny that there are bad people or good people, there's nothing I can say. Mother Teresa was good and Hitler was bad. I, I, I don't know why that's controversial. She wasn't perfect. So what? God is perfect. People cannot be. So since it's not magic, how does it work? And here's the answer. The answer will sound incredibly simple. And it is. It's not simple to do, but it's simple. Religion makes you a better person if you want to be a better person. That's it. If you use it to make you good, you'll be good. If you use it for other purposes, whatever they may be, uh, it may very well not work. It, it's sort of like, uh, it's, a, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's not a bad one. If you read Shakespeare and have no desire to gain any wisdom from it, you won't gain any wisdom from it. But if you read Shakespeare and want to gain wisdom, you will. Shakespeare isn't magic, and religion isn't magic. And a lot of religious people don't think, is it making me good? It might be, is it making me religious? Is it making me saved? Whatever your religion's vocabulary might be. But that's, and that's all fine. But good is what God, I believe, most wants from us and what we should most want our religion to help us become. Otherwise, you can be disgusting while religious. Okay? And now to your questions. Okay, here we go. Hey Dennis, how's it going? This is Ashton Cohen from Los Angeles, California. I'm 32 years old. I wanted to get your thoughts on the ADL or the Anti-Defamation League. Now, as a practicing Jew, 
this was an organization I grew up respecting. The ADL's mission used to be to fight real instances of anti-Semitism. But they seem to have morphed into this hyper-partisan organization whose central mission appears to be to promote censorship and silence those who speak out against a variety of left-wing positions, whether it be on radical gender curriculum being taught to children in schools or illegal immigration. Elon Musk recently suggested that he would sue the ADL for defamation, seeking damages of up to $22 billion, given that the ADL has pressured brands not to advertise on Twitter because they claim Musk is promoting hate speech. As an attorney myself, I think this could be a very strong case, but what are your thoughts on the ADL? Do you think that the ADL does more harm than good? And would you like to see Elon sue this organization into oblivion? Thanks. Okay, thank you, Ashton. Well, the answer is yes to your questions. The ADL has just become another left-wing uh, hate organization like the Southern Poverty Law Center, the ACLU. They, they once, well, the SPLC never had any noble uh, cause, but, uh, but the ACLU was at one time preoccupied with civil liberties, especially free speech. And that, that is now, it, it's the opposite because the left has never supported free speech since the left was created in the French Revolution to the, to the Russian Revolution. Liberals support free speech, and the ADL was a liberal organization when you respected it. It is now a left-wing organization and unworthy of your respect. I believe that the Anti-Defamation League has caused more anti-Semitism than it has reduced. That is how bad it is. I hope uh, Elon Musk does sue them. They don't understand something. The moment you open up to free speech, you will get some disgusting speech. That is the point. To blame Elon Musk for the whatever hate speech is now on Twitter or X, as it is now called, is, is like blaming the town square for, for people saying bad things in the town square. The, the, you, that's absurd. You might as well blame the Constitution. The Constitution guarantees free speech. Why not, why not repeal the First Amendment? By the way, I do believe if the ADL could, it would repeal the First Amendment. It, is, it has become a, a hate organization. And I say this as a Jew who has uh, fought anti-Semitism his whole life, who's written a very highly praised book on anti-Semitism called Why the Jews, The Reason for Anti-Semitism. There was a time when the ADL fought anti-Semitism, uh, and now all it does is echo exactly what the left does in any other organization. Or let's, as my motto puts it, everything the left touches, it destroys. You can now include the ADL in that group. The Jews and America would be better off if the ADL closed up shop. I say that with great sadness. That is, it's true for the ACLU. It's true for the SPLC. It's, it's, it's true for Black Lives Matter. They're just left-wing organizations that use their, their name to fool people into thinking they're something other than a left-wing organization. This is a tragedy. Jessica, 35, Maryland. Hi, Dennis. Big fan of the Fireside Chats. Thank you. Though your through your influence and God's intervention, I've recently reprioritized my values from my career to practicing my faith and starting a family. 
Is that great? There you go. There's a perfect example. I'm thrilled. I'm excited to be married this year. I recently read Woke Jesus by Lucas Miles about the infiltration of Marxist leftist values into our faith-based institutions, just what we were talking about, and it blew my mind. My small Catholic parish seems very traditional, but when I've traveled, I've seen everything from gluten-free hosts slash Eucharist, advertised gluten-free Eucharist. Uh, That's precious, I have to say. (laughs) Advertised in the name of inclusivity and social justice-focused prayer petitions. Is this something you think is happening in all faiths now, or is this uniquely a Christian movement? Thank you for all you do. It is not uniquely Christian. And it is not, it's within Christianity, it is not uniquely Protestant, evangelical, Catholic. Look at the Pope of, of your church. This is a painful, painful subject among my Catholic friends, because the, the Pope is considered the vicar of Christ on earth. It, it's a very painful thing. But, but, but he's, he's woke. In, in, not in every single arena, but in, in enough. Uh, look, everything the left touches, it ruins, and it, that includes religion. But there, there are Catholics, and there are Protestants, and there are Jews who are still faithful to the Bible and its values. You have to find them and join with them. But uh, the the... <sighs> The, the blessing and the curse is they, they don't reproduce. The churches and synagogues that have gone left don't draw, don't draw a crowd, or the crowds get less and less each year, smaller and smaller each year. So in that sense, I, I don't know how long a phenomenon this will be. I have, a, I have a saying you'll get a kick out of, Jessica. I don't care what religion you're a member of, as long as you're embarrassed by it. <laughs> Includes my own. <laughs> law. That's, is that a name? Law? Coming, Georgia. 59. Hi, Dennis. One day I will tell you a wonderful story about the growing, vibrant Jewish community here in Cumming, Georgia, formerly the heart of the KKK. That's nice. But for today, my question is about your love of photography. Are you an SLR, DSLR, or mirrorless user, and why? This question interests 1% of those watching. (laughs) I know that, and I still took it. I am mirrorless, and one other thing, I am not even full format. I am medium format, which is a larger sensor. The results are, wow. People look at the pictures and go, wow. Okay. That was quick, right? Mm-hmm. You're proud of me? Mm-hmm. You know I could have done the, the, the rest of the uh, yes. chat on that. Dylan, 16 years old, Washington, Michigan. I am a Christian and I'm thinking about becoming a theologian or having a focus on apologetics. What would be your advice on how to stay humble as I acquire knowledge? That's what a sweet question from a 16 year old. God, you know what? I ought to do an opening on, on humility. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Well, here's the irony. The more knowledge you attain, the, If you're healthy, it will make you more humble. 
Because the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. <laughs> that's, that's the way the world is. So theoretically, as you gain knowledge, you should end up more humble. So, but it, it's good to monitor yourself. The way to monitor is, do you walk around starting to think I'm better than everybody else? <laughs> and worse, do you treat people as if you think that way? Make sure that you are as nice to the janitor in a building you work as you are to your employer. That's a good way to monitor yourself. How are we doing? Good. We're at 21. Yeah, because it was a brief opening. Mm -hmm. Well, our man in Tokyo, Seijin. Yeah. Seijin, if I already know you, that is really something. How do you think we can heal the wounds of people who were hurt by bad or unhappy religious people? Is that eerie? <laughs> this is eerie. I have a good friend who was like an older brother to me who's an atheist. A big reason is he doesn't believe in God. A big reason he doesn't believe in God is because he was sexually molested by a member of his mother's church when he was very young. Uh, my anger at people who molest children, it's, I, I have to control myself. Despite his difficult life, I feel he turned out to be a very good person. By the way, that is a difficult life. People who do that to children are the sickest of the sick, the baddest of the bad. Okay. Despite his difficult life, I feel he turned out to be a very good person. He works very hard to care for his mother and his wife. He's also polite to others and is very bright. He's courageous too. and is not afraid to put himself out there for others. He's even stopped fights from escalating. Even if I can't bring him to believe in God, I really want him to be happy. If you could share your thoughts on this matter, appreciate it very much. Thank you and God bless you. Well, I, ha I have a, an emotion-based and a reason-based answer. Emotionally, I totally understand why he would see a religious person doing such evil to him as a child. He would say, well, obviously, this religious stuff is nonsense. Rationally, the fact that this person seemed to be religious was irrelevant. Was, was completely irrelevant. It, it, you know, it, if, a, if, a, if a member of some ethnic group or race beats you up, it might be natural to have hostility to that group, but it's not rational. Because every group has so many good people in it. And... God allows people to do bad. What is his choice? To stop everybody who's going to hurt somebody? We'd be robots. We chose not to be robots by eating of the tree of knowledge and leaving the Garden of Eden. That's what the story is about. We rather live with pain in a free world than live in a painless, unfree world. It's like the question... If you could be attached to a machine that would have you happy all the time because it figured out how to manipulate your nerves 
and you just lived in that machine, would you live there? Probably not. Anyway, the, the God issue, it depends on your friend's ability to be persuaded by the rational against a powerful feeling of anger. Does your friend really believe the universe created itself? That's not a rational view. Does he really believe life is pointless? Because if there's no God, life is pointless. So there, there are very powerful arguments. But when you've been molested by an adult as a child, the, the scars are so thick that it's hard for any ointment to penetrate it. And I understand that. I am more interested, as, as deeply a believer in God as I am, I am more interested that your friend achieve happiness, despite what happened to him, than that he, he even come to believe in God. I think he'll be happier if he does believe in God. So there's a certain irony there. I don't think so. I know so. I would tell him this too. It just occurred to me right now. Only if there is a God will the bastard who molested him get punished. You should think of that. You know how I know that was a good response? Megan. Megan nodded so vociferously. <laughs> I think it hurt her neck. Liam, 21 years old, Spring, Texas, USA. Dear Mr. Prager, I have realized recently that people tend to forget that there are hundreds of millions of people in the U.S. and overblow the influence that a small fraction of bad people have on the entire population. What do you think the reason for this is? The reactionary overblowing of a situation. And do you think there is a way to combat this often detrimental way of thinking, especially in society as a whole? The biggest example I can think of is the police. There are hundreds of thousands of police officers in the country, yet when the left sees a handful of bad apples, they cry for defunding the entire establishment. There are many other examples, but this is the one I think about the most. Sincerely, your loving fan. You said it perfectly. That's exactly right. It is a very immature view that there are some bad individuals and the whole group is bad. What is there to say? So it's it's just a childish reaction. But one time I'll go into it more deeply. The antipathy to police has nothing to do with the existence of a few bad apples. Had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Defund the police is not about bad apples. It is about chaos. The left stands for chaos. When you defund the police, vast numbers of innocent people suffer. The police don't suffer. They're, they're not interested in weeding out a handful of bad policemen. They're interested in the decline of our civilization. 
I don't know why. I admit it. I think it has to do with boredom and the ease with which destruction comes to these people. Defund the police is a purely evil idea. It means let's not stop people from hurting other people. That's what defund the police means. Okay, a lot of good stuff today. See you next week. Thank you. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.